Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center. Here we dream revival and serve people with love. Today, Pastor Preji continues to teach from the healing series. Today's topic is on how important it is for the body of Christ to be united and how this unity brings healing. We will learn this from the story of the four friends of the paralyzed man whom Jesus healed. Enjoy this word. Let's go to Psalm 147. In this entire series, we've been going back to the book of Psalms. We'll also touch Proverbs in the coming weeks, but uh, we'll, for this morning, we'll go back to the book of Psalms and we'll read the first six verses of Psalm 147. And my prayer and my hope is that we will catch this heart for God. We will catch this desire for God that this psalmist had. Read with me. Praise the Lord. How good to sing praises to our God. How delightful and how fitting. One more time, church. Say it like you really believe it. Okay? This is a confession about our worship till now. We were singing till now, right? Come on now. See, it's one thing to worship and then it's another thing to sing praises to God. See, worship is a very small part of what we do here in uh, the Sunday morning. Worship is a very small part of what we experience with God from week to week. Worship is that moment of encounter when God shows up and we surrender and we we lay ourselves down and we, we give up and then we, we just say, God, not me, but you. It's no longer my will, but your will. We surrender. That is worship. But what we do throughout that 45 minutes on Sunday morning, it's not necessarily worship. But we still do it. Why? Because the Bible says how good it is to sing praises to our God. So when you are actively engaged in singing praises to our God, it's a good thing the Bible says. So those of you that are watching online, who, who just waited for the word to come, who were very shy to sing along because you, you're wondering what will the neighbors think, what will my children think, what will my parents think, guess what? It's a good thing to sing praises to the Lord. It is a good thing to sing, to open your mouth loud and sing. You know, growing up, I had so many people tell me, Priji, you should not try singing. You know, uh, you know. so, you know, a, a lot of times I have actually acted like I ha I'm singing, like I'll be on the stage and, you know, they'll give me the mic and I'll act like I'm singing, but actually I'm not singing. You know, the choir will be singing and I'll just, you know, I don't know if you've done that, you know. And I have had those awkward moments when, when I'll be singing with the loudest volume and all of a sudden the whole church will be silent and my awkward sound will be like, you know, heard in the entire room. So people have always told me it's, it's a bad thing for you to sing. It's a, you know, I don't think God appreciates your singing, you know. Anybody else God can tolerate. But my Bible says it's a good thing to sing praises to our God. So don't let people tell you your voice is not good enough. Don't let anybody tell you your praise doesn't qualify. Don't let anybody tell you that you cannot be delighting in the presence of God. You cannot, you cannot, you know, be joyful in the presence of God. It says how delightful and how fitting 
the KJV Bible says it is a pleasant thing and it's a comely thing. It's a it's a it's a attractive thing. So when you worship and you sing praises, God finds you attractive. Can you imagine that? God finds you attractive. Can you imagine coming to church without brushing your teeth, without you know taking a bath, without combing your hair, you know, with the you know, clothes that you've been wearing for three months, you know, the whole three months, you know, we've, some of us, no, we have not really washed our clothes for the last three months, been in the same pajamas day and night. Can you imagine coming to church? Do you think anybody will want to sit next to you? (laughs) She loves us unconditionally, guys, you know. Amy really loves us unconditionally. But you know, that's how we look to God when we come and sit here like, ah, the worship leader, no, they will sing. I will watch what the worship leader is singing. But when we worship, when we sing, that makes us attractive. The same way that we, we, we prepare ourselves, we, we prepare our, ourselves hygienically in the way we look, we do everything possible so that we, we look presentable to the people around us. Your praise, when you sing praises to God, that is what allows you to fit into the church that is bringing praises and glory to God week after week. I don't want anybody to stink here when, you know, you, you know see, outside you, you, know, you may look nice, but God doesn't look at what you do on the outside. God looks at the posture of your heart. When, God, when, when you're standing here to please the worship leader and to please the people around you, you may even lift your hands and clap and do all of that. But God looks so much more deeper into what's going on in your heart to see if you're seeing that from your heart. The Bible says how delightful, how pleasant and how fitting it is when we come together and we sing praises to our God. So those of you watching online, let me tell you, we'll have some more singing at the end of the service. Not every singing is worship, but singing is singing praises to God. And it's a delightful thing to do. It's a good thing to do. It is a fitting thing to do. It, is, it prepares you to enter into the throne room of the king. Verse 2, the Bible says the Lord is rebuilding Jerusalem and he's bringing the exiles back to Israel. In this season, let me prophesy this over our church. Let me prophesy this over the church in this city. Let me prophesy this over the church in our nation. This is a season when the Lord is rebuilding the church. When the Lord is regathering those that are scattered. When the Lord is re-anointing, renewing, one more time reviving everything that has been taken away. This is the season when the Lord is rebuilding Jerusalem. The Lord is rebuilding Jerusalem. You know, see, if you look at the practical aspect of it, it took a Nehemiah and an Ezra and the whole group of leaders to practically rebuild Jerusalem. But the Bible says, even though there were physical people that were doing this, it was the Lord who was rebuilding Jerusalem through them. It was the Lord who was bringing the exiles back to Israel. See, when, when they left Egypt, uh, it wasn't optional. Everybody, you know, had to leave Egypt. But when they left Babylon, it was optional. The Bible says those whose hearts were stirred by the Lord, they left 
all the convenience of Babylon and they came back to Israel. They came back to Judah. They came back to occupy other cities and towns in Israel. In this season, I know that some of us, we will have to do inconvenient things because of the call of God over our lives. Some of us will be called into doing things that are not naturally uh, your strength. Things that are things that you're not used to. You should understand, these guys, they've been in, in, in exile for 70 long years. So, by in 70 long years, you're an entire generation has passed, right? Just, just think about it. If, let's say, you are 10 years old when you went to exile, okay? In the 70 years of being in Babylon, you, you become 80. You, you, your whole life is all, almost gone. Anybody else who is younger, they have already always been born in exile. They, they don't know what Jerusalem feels like. It's a completely unknown territory for them. And yet, the Bible says that the Lord is calling the church into a place of unknown, into a place where he will restore, rebuild. And you know, when Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem, he didn't have any idea of how Jerusalem is going to be like. You should, you should think, it, think about it from Nehemiah's perspective. He has not seen the Jerusalem that Solomon built. He has not even seen the Jerusalem that Babylonians, you know, destroyed. It was a Jerusalem that he had only heard about, you know. So when we come to church week after week, we are talking about a church that is going to be a light to the world, a church that is going to bring healing to the nations, a church that is going to uh, minister to the poor, minister to the hurting, minister to the sick people. And, and we are like, okay, we've, we've never seen this before. It's okay. It's okay if you've never experienced this before because God is taking us into the unknown. The Lord says that He is rebuilding Jerusalem, not you and I. He is rebuilding Jerusalem and He is the one bringing the exiles back into Israel to its former glory, to a glory that we have not even seen or witnessed ever before in our lives. He is a, a rebuilder. He is a restorer. He is the one who knows how to renew us in the right time to give us times of refreshing. Verse 3, read with me. He heals the brokenhearted and he bandages there. How does he rebuild? How does he bring the exiles back to Jerusalem, to Israel? By healing the brokenhearted. By bandaging their wounds. There are some people whose hearts are broken because of things that has happened in their life. There are some people whose lives are destroyed because of all the circumstances that's gone around in their life. And the Lord says, this is the season because I want to rebuild Jerusalem, because I want to bring the exiles back to Israel, I'm going to heal the brokenhearted. So in this season, we have to know that it is God's will to heal the brokenhearted. It is God's desire to bandage the wounded. And you and I, we will be the reason, we will be the channels, we will be the hands and the feet of Jesus as the lost, as the hurting, as the broken people receive this healing touch from Jesus. Verse 4, it says that he counts the stars and he calls them by 
name each and every one of them can you imagine the stars he doesn't have a personal relationship with the stars it's just a creation okay there are there are people who believe that everything you know everything that we see in the universe is god and there is nothing that is god apart from what we can see but here we talk about a god who looks at the stars in the universe and he calls them all out by name one at a time and guess what he doesn't even care for them the way that he cares for you and for me and still he calls them all by name he knows each and every one of them by name and that is the same stars to which he pointed abraham to and said abraham can you can you count the stars of the sky because according to the measure of how many stars there are in the sky according to the same measure i'm going to bless you i'm going to multiply you i'm going to prosper you and i'm going to take you to the next level in your life see you 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 may think that um, you know there's nothing happening nothing good going on in my life but guess what god calls out each and every one of your blessing by name he calls out each and every one of your areas where you need healing and restoration and deliverance he calls it out by name you may not even know the name of the blessing that you need but god knows see each star in the heavens represented each blessing that god was going to give abraham and each one of those stars god knew them by name and god called them out by name that's what the bible says verse 5 read with me 1 2 3 go how great is our god his power is absolute his understanding is beyond comprehension so how great is our lord because his power is absolute let nobody tell you that what what you're suffering or what the world around us is suffering it is beyond the reach and the power of god his power is absolute and because his understanding is beyond our comprehension see there are there are times in our lives when you know we were singing that song you know there's never been a time when you've ever failed me and and I, as i was singing that song i was asking god do i really mean what i'm saying because there are times when i feel like you've failed me there are times when i feel like you've let me down there are times when i feel like you abandoned me there are times when i feel like you've rejected me when you have you know disconnected from me when you didn't want to answer my request when you didn't heed to my prayer there are times when i feel rejected god and god said hey you have no idea that even when i did not hear your prayer i was in fact being faithful to my promises over your life because the bible says his understanding is beyond your comprehension see what we try to do is we try to subject god to our understanding and we 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 say as long as god does this 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 he's never failed me but let's say that god missed one thing then he has definitely failed me if he has missed two things oh that's miserable five things man that's it i i don't think god cares for me or i don't think god even exists i don't think there's anybody listening to my prayer now the bible says his understanding is beyond our comprehension 
today we have to surrender not only to his power but also to his understanding because when we expect his power to manifest for our lives but we don't give in to his understanding we will be confused we will be mad at god we will be mad at the people who bring you god's word because we 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 want things to happen according to how we understand things and here god says guess what my power is absolute and my understanding is beyond your wildest comprehension so even when you don't feel like it when you sing there's never been a time when you've ever failed me there's never been a time when you let me down when you still sing it out that is the confession of the truth of god's word over your life because you're saying god you're great your power is absolute your understanding is beyond my wildest comprehension let's read verse 6 it says the lord what does he do he supports the humble and he brings the wicked down into the dust so the lord does two different things for two different kinds of people there are those that are humble and then there are those that are categorized as wicked okay so the opposite of humble is wicked the opposite of humble is not just that you know oh he is a nice guy but he has some attitude problem you know how we you know talk about proud people right oh yeah. very very talented guy you should hear him play guitar man very talented guy but he has a bad attitude you know but he has a problem with his uh, uh, with the way that he uh, you know talks he has a problem with the way that he uh, you know does relationships no that's not how god categorizes god says either you are humble or you are wicked because the moment we walk away from humility you know who we represent come on you teach me today tell me the moment we are not humble the moment we become arrogant the moment we have pride in us who do we represent satan because what was his sin not disobedience not anger not lust not greed what was his sin pride and the moment we walk away from humility we are automatically falling under the category of wickedness the bible says hey god wants to heal the broken hearted god wants to bandage the wounds god wants to rebuild and restore the nation and restore your church and restore everything that is lost but he is looking for humble people you know the other translations say that he lives up he 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 adds reinforcement that's the word the root word uses to add reinforcement you know the bible says the lord becomes our reinforcement Amen. when we are going through stressful situations when we are going through uh, situations where we don't feel like we can take it one more day where we feel like oh man this is out of my control i i can't i can't you know sit at home and work for one more day i i can't you know take one more day of not going to the mall you know there are people who are actually going into depression because malls are shut <laughs> seriously trust me there are people who you know are addicted to mcdonalds and 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 not just home delivery they have to go to mcdonalds and eat it in in and, and uh, 
and, and the Lord says, guess what? If you will let me have the final say in your life, if you are going to be humble enough in this season, if you're going to disconnect yourself from everything that categorizes as wickedness, the Lord says, I am going to support you. I'm going to stand with you. You know, our humility is not just the posture that we have before God. Do you know it's very easy to be humble before God? You cannot be anything but humble before God. You cannot. Like when God shows up, can you stand up before God saying, oh man, you have no idea how much chapters in the Bible I read this week and uh, how much of... I'm telling you the best of the best, the 24 elders in heaven, okay? The 24 elders in heaven. Can you imagine? There are billions of believers who are going to be in heaven. Out of that, there are top 24 I don't know what is the category of, you know, being part of that 24 elders, but the most prominent people in heaven, okay? That's how I can say the 24 elders, what did they do? They would lay their crowns down at his feet. Every time there is worship going on, they'll just take their crowns off. And this is a crown that they deserve, that they have lived up to it. And what does the Bible say? They would lay their crowns down at his feet. And they will go prostrate before him and they will worship him. Day and night and night and day they worship him. The real challenge, the real test of humility is not your posture before God. It is your posture before your brother and sister. Because it's very easy for us to be humble before God. But this season, God is calling us to humility before the person sitting next to us. Before Guess what? Let me add, it, add this to it. It's very easy for you to humble yourself before somebody who is more prayerful, more anointed, reads more Bible than you do. But bring a child who has no idea about the Bible or bring a person that, you know, you, you're like, oh man, this guy has no clue about what anointing is. What do you try to do? You try to show off you know, what all you have learned in the last 30 years of your life. Even if it is stinking knowledge, we try to show off. And we don't have the humility at that point to just, you know, just to just stand and adjust ourselves. In this season, I'm still teaching about healing, guys, okay? I've not walked away from healing. We are still talking about healing. We are still talking about how our humility can bring forth healing in the lives of other people when we humble ourselves okay you want to read this let's go to the book of mark chapter 2 very familiar portion and if you have seen the series the chosen you've actually seen this uh, miracle happen in season one i think let's read this this is mark chapter 2 and verse 1 onwards when jesus returned to capernaum Several days later, the Bible says that the news spread quickly that he was back home. So Capernaum was the place that they identified as his home. Probably he had a home there, probably he had a guest house or some place where he would stay every time that he came back to Capernaum. And everybody knew Jesus to be somebody who, who is associated with this town. The Bible says when he came back to Capernaum, everybody, the word spread very quickly that he has come back home. Now see, Jesus was this miracle worker, right? 
Everywhere he went, he, he caused miracles. He raised people from the dead. We heard about healing the, the, the blind men, healing the lepers, all these kinds of stuff. And as soon as Jesus came back to his hometown, the word spread wild, like wildfire, the word spread saying, hey, guess what? Guess who is in town? The miracle worker is in town. See, when you hear that the miracle worker is in town, everybody wants to gather, right? Everybody wants to come and, and if not take part in it, at least have a ticket to watching the show. At least uh, to see what is going on. At least to see what is the latest miracle that Jesus is going to do. Is this really true what we have heard about Jesus? Is this really true what we have been talking about him? Is this really true? So these people, they really came to check him out. Okay? Verse 2, the Bible says, Soon the house where he was staying, this was the house where Jesus was put up in, this place was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a church like this where, you know, there's no more room even outside the church? Uh, you know, and this is not even a church hall. This was just Jesus chilling, you know. Jesus, this was the place where Jesus would sit and watch Netflix if he could, if he would watch Netflix or if he would. Some of you are finding it blasphemous that I would even suggest. Okay, can Jesus watch sports? Yeah, okay, so let's say that this is where Jesus would sit and watch the India-New Zealand cricket match that's going on, right? Foot, okay, football. You know, football. Let it be football. This, this is the place where Jesus would chill. The Bible says people would throng to his comfortable place, his personal space. To such an extent, there was no more space left in Jesus' house. There was no more space left for people to stand. Not just inside, but even outside the door. What did Jesus do to them? The Bible says Jesus took the opportunity and like a perfect pastor, he started preaching. So if I start preaching in birthday parties or, or you know, whenever we have, you know, any picnics or whatever we do, you know, if I start preaching, I'm just being like Jesus, okay? Don't crucify me. Don't, don't, don't call me names. The Bible says they just came to see Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He started preaching God's word to them, to each and every one of them. He started preaching God's word. You know, church, you have no idea how powerful these words are. It may look like, okay, pastor, you know, another Sunday, another sermon. Pastor's duty it is to, you know, preach the word. So he cooks up a sermon and he somehow comes and delivers it. And we hear, clap, laugh, and we go back home. But you have no idea the power that God's word carries. God's word. See, everything that we see around us, it's created by God's word, right? So I don't know what you are coming here prepared for. But every time I release a declaration over your life, there is a spirit that it is attracting, that you are attracting. There is a spirit of healing. There is a spirit of grace. There is a spirit of a prayer. There is a spirit of humility that is being attracted into your life. The, as in how you receive it. As in how you catch the word. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, it says the spirit of God was brooding over the waters, right? But when the word came, it happened. So the spirit of God 
would have been brooding over your life from Monday to Saturday but when we come and when we receive the word that one word is enough to quicken to life what the spirit of God has been preparing you to encounter to grow into to receive from God the Bible says Jesus he was preaching God's word to them verse 3 ready for today's sermon four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat that's it that's my sermon for today four men arrived and what were they doing they were carrying a paralyzed man you know that if four people have to carry one man it requires great amount of synchronization have you ever tried doing this no yes no neither have i but uh, if if you if you if four people are at four different ends of a court okay if one person is let's say for whatever reason only as tall as zacchaeus and the other person looks like goliath the paralyzed man is never reaching the house he will go he will fall off somewhere down the road come on talk to me am i am i making some sense to you you know you know how gravity works you know how height difference works you know how you have to when four people are carrying the same vision the same prayer request they're taking this prayer request to jesus okay and four people they have to carry it in such a way that it is in synchronization with the rest of them one person cannot be too fast one person cannot be too slow the faster person would have to slow down the taller person would have to bend down the the shorter person would have to reach out everybody would have to adjust so that this sick man could reach jesus See the problem with so many of us is that we don't want to cooperate with somebody else. We want everybody to cooperate to have you come to my level. No. I'm not coming to you. I'm not going to talk your language. I'm not coming to your you you all come to my level. You all understand what I am saying, what I and that is the reason why the church, the New Testament church, our churches in these day and time that we are not able to take people to the feet of Jesus. because we are so full of ourselves you know what is it that these guys had they had humility they were willing to work with one another they knew that it is not about me you see these four guys their names are not even mentioned these four guys it was not even their need it was not even their family members you know it says when they they were like friends it was not even their personal need but they were carrying somebody else's need and they carried in perfect unison from whichever place they started they went to the next place guess what it says verse 4 they couldn't bring him to jesus because of the crowd so what did they do so they dug a hole through the roof above his head then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of jesus can you imagine how much work has gone into this 
check this out four guys okay four people they are like working hard thank god for the long sermon jesus preached while jesus was preaching these guys were working behind the scenes they were they were like you know we don't care we want this healing we are not going back without this healing even if it is at the cost of breaking down the roof that jesus lives in they said we are not going back down and they they went they climbed they 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 broke the roof they took out the roof and they you know i'm sure that they first scouted the house to see exactly tell me how many feet from the door is jesus seated where is where exactly in the room is jesus seated because they wanted to break only that part of the roof okay so they calculated they did all the hard work and and at one shot they opened the roof up and they lowered the sick man right in front of jesus the bible says verse 5 you ready for this ready come on loudly it says seeing whose faith the the paralyzed man's faith the ones who were carrying the ones who were carrying when jesus saw their faith he looked at the paralyzed man and said okay i have a dealing to do with you because they have exercised faith now what kind of faith did they exercise we were talking about faith a couple of weeks back where these blind men they began to confess out loud saying jesus son of david have mercy on me what kind of faith did these guys exercise what impressed jesus so much is it their posture of humility towards jesus or is it the posture of humility that they had towards each other the way that they worked together the way that they were so compassionate we spoke about compassion last week right how they were compassionate about this paralyzed man receiving healing and how they worked hard to make sure that Jesus is able to heal him and he is able to have an encounter with Jesus. So all four of them they were working hard to see okay uh, hey right now you know I'm sure they're coming from a different town not necessarily from Capernaum and they they saying okay right now I'm 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 tired can you carry some extra load tonight can you pray a little harder can you can you carry my weight you know I today I feel like you know I'm very low but I but but we still cannot let this paralyzed man go we need to still be in unity we, st- we need to still work as one body work as one church work as one person when when the church realizes see the bible says that when these guys wanted to make the tower of babel god looked at the tower of babel and god said they are so united nothing is going to be impossible for them they are so one with each other that there is going to be absolutely nothing if they decide to build the tower all the way to mars they may actually be successful in doing that so let's stop them let's you know cause confusion can you imagine what will happen when the church realizes that same potential and we work on that same with that same grace of being united with one another what will happen to to bringing people to jesus what will happen to taking the healing power of jesus to people 
let's let's uh, study this a little bit today before we finish the story let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 this is also the verse for the month if you've seen it in your calendars you'll find the the scripture in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 but let's read from verse 1 onwards this is Paul speaking to the church and he's encouraging the church uh, to do this it says therefore I a prisoner for serving the Lord what do I do I beg you to lead a life worthy of you Paul come on you are an apostle you're the guy who planted this church if anything you can command this church right you can give hey everybody you listen you know who planted this church you know he, he can he can show off his authority. But the Bible says, he didn't say, I am the apostle that came to Ephesus 40 years back and you should remember what I taught. No, he's like, I'm a prisoner for serving the Lord. And as a prisoner, I'm going to beg you. I'm going to, I'm going to request you. He's not even, he's not even, you know, using words. Does he have the right? Does he have the authority to command this church? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's the spiritual father. He's the overseer. He's the apostle over this church. He has the right to command these guys to, you know, line up and behave. But he says, no, I'm going to request you as a fellow prisoner for serving the Lord. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. So this morning, I'm going to stand in his shoes and I'm going to beg you guys today. Not because I want to exercise any authority, but I'm going to request you See, as a church in this season, what is at stake is not your reputation and my reputation. What is at stake is the healing of that paralyzed people, the healing of those paralyzed nation, the healing of that paralyzed system. That is what is at stake. If you and I, if we will humble ourselves and if we will lead a life worthy of our calling, lead a life worthy of our calling, See, it's a sad thing if, an, if, if Apostle Paul has to beg the church to do this, right? And, and, and still, Apostle Paul says, I'm going to do it because the results are worth it. It says, verse 2, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with, with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Paul is giving us the key. Paul is saying, do you want to carry this paralyzed man to Jesus? Then you have to live like this. You have to be humble and gentle. He's not saying you have to be humble. You know, how I've, I've heard people pray this prayer saying, God, I'm, I'm a cockroach. I'm a, I'm a worm. All of that, you know. In, in their relationship with God. But like I told you, your humility is not tested in your relationship with God. Your humility is tested here. What does it say? Make allowance for each other's faults. Why? <clears throat> because of your love. A church that loves each other. Jesus looked at the disciples and said, You know what? This is how the world will know that the Father has sent Jesus to the world. It is when you love each other, when you serve each other, when you're willing to humble yourself before each other and willing to work with each other. 
in this season i know that this is a month where the lord is calling us to unity and unity is impossible to achieve without humility unity is not possible if you are not willing to you know just get off the high horse and say you know what i may have whatever years of experience of planting a church and ministering and doing this and doing that but i'm just going to humble myself before this little child and i'm going to serve him i'm going to help him i'm going to work with him when you know sometimes we'll find people that are not going to be pleasant are not going to be like us and if god would only give us those people that you know that are like us then we cannot become the church we we will become like a military school you know with everybody dressing the same looking the same you know having the same haircut no there are going to be people that will come that don't smell like you that don't talk like you that don't have your language skills that don't have your financial abilities and that is the time when you have to say i'm going to be humble i'm going to be gentle i'm i'm going to make allowance for other people's faults verse 3 it says make every effort make what does it say every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit binding yourselves together with me so this is not a unity in the flesh this unity cannot be achieved by doing barbecue parties because it's a unity of the spirit this unity cannot be achieved by just say hanging out together and and by external activities i'm not demeaning any external fellowship i'm saying that it's a unity of the spirit it goes much much deeper it has to come from your spirit realm you remember last week we talked about a compassion that can come from your heart and a compassion that can come from your belly what was that name elena splug splang splang zid zomai okay that was a bacteria that i was talking about <laughs> a compassion that comes from the inside out not from your heart not from your head but from your spirit okay and the bible says make every effort to keep yourselves united where in the spirit in the spirit which means there are things in the flesh that we will have to let go of there are things in the mind where you know you know that my wavelength and this guy's wavelength doesn't match but you have to let go of it because this unity is in a higher dimension there's not a unity in the flesh there's not a unity just in the soul realm this is a unity in the spirit so 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 when you feel uh, when you feel like oh man i i naturally i don't feel anything for this brother but it's okay it's not about what i feel in my soul it's about you know my spiritual ability in my spirit there is overflowing love there is overflowing joy there is overflowing peace and because of that the bible says you need to make every effort possible so when you see that one guy is carrying the bed too high you don't call him names you don't scream at him saying hey slow down you don't you don't try to demean what that guy is doing he is doing in the best way he knows how to do in his best revelation that he has and that is when we have to do every effort to keep ourselves united in the spirit you know this process can be painstaking and this process can slow us down 
Honestly speaking, if two people are carrying this guy, it'll be faster than four people carrying the guy. You understand what I'm saying? Because it's easier for two people to be united than for four people to be united. The more the number of people, the more the number of opinions. There is, there is only one place where there is no difference of opinion. And it's the cemetery. Because nobody has an opinion there. As long as you're alive, as long as you're awake, as long as, you know, we are from different homes, different churches, different backgrounds, we will have an opinion. And that's when Bible says you need to make allowance for each other. Verse 4, read. Now, Apostle Paul is giving us the argument, the reasoning why we should do that. One, two, three, go. For there is one body. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, we are one body. Look at another neighbor and say, we are one body. We're not talking about flesh. We're not talking about soul. We're talking about unity in the spirit. The Bible says there is one body. One body. Okay. Now, the body has, you know, different parts. Like there is, there is a part in Bangalore. There is a part in Mumbai. There is a part in other. There are so many churches in Bangalore that doesn't look like us, that doesn't talk like us, that doesn't worship like us. But the Bible says there is only one body. There's only one body. And so we have to learn to understand that, hey, wait, I'm not better than them. Just because we have worship music louder than them, we are not better than anybody. Just because we have, uh, you know, different type of people, or we worship differently, we have different teaching of God's word we are not better than anybody because we are one body and that's why we have to make allowance for each other's faults each other's you know highs and lows the Bible says there is one body and one spirit one spirit so the same Holy Spirit that is in you is the same Holy Spirit in me the same Holy Spirit that is in me is the same Holy Spirit in some of the most anointed men and women of God on the earth. It's the same Holy Spirit. We have, you know, see, what Paul is trying to do is give us a foundation for unity. Paul is saying, don't make your career the reason for your unity. Don't make your language the reason for your unity. Don't make your cultural upbringing the reason for your unity. Don't make your similarity of opinions the reason for your unity. I'll give you the reason, the correct reason for unity. For there is only one body and for there is only one spirit. So when you are looking down on another brother or sister, you should remember you're looking down on your own body and you're looking down on somebody that carries the same spirit that you carry. You know, in Malayalam, there is a saying that says, You know, what does it mean? It means to lie on your back and spit up. Have you ever tried doing that? What will happen? I'm sorry for the gross example. Don't try it at home. You know, what happens if you try doing that? It falls back on you. And what you don't understand is that when you hurt another brother, you're hurting yourself. Because you're one body and you carry the same spirit that they carry. You're spitting on yourself. You think you're, you, you've, been, you've been proved right and uh, he had to hear that. No. 
you just spat on yourself. You know how yuck you will feel when you spit on yourself. That's what you just did. Because there is one body and there is one spirit. And guess what? <laughs> and you've been called to one glorious hope in the future. Which means there is only one heaven. There is no separate heaven for Malayalis. Although Malayalis like to believe that. <laughs> they, they like to think that there is a separate, you know, higher heaven for them in heaven. No, there is no separate. There is only one glorious hope. If you can't live together with that brother here on earth, trust me, one of you are not going to make, there, make it there. Because there is only one heaven. In heaven, you know that there is going to be perfect peace in heaven, right? So if you cannot make peace here on earth, God will have to select between one of you. <laughs> like if I let this guy in, he will come and create problem with that guy. <laughs> so, so make sure to, to, to get your problem sorted out here on earth. Because there is only one home there. Here we can just, you know, avoid people, you know. How we avoid people. We can be in the same church, we can sit in the same row. And at the same time, ah, yes, brother, good brother, thank you, brother, I'll see you next week, brother. You know, and we know how to show off external unity. But we are talking about a unity in the spirit. This unity is, is what will be carried into the one glorious hope in the future. The Bible says, more reasons. You want more reasons? Let's read more reasons. Five, there is one Lord and there is one faith. And there is one baptism. Verse it's one God and one Father of all who is over all, in all and living through all. However, verse, verse 7. Okay, this is where Paul brings the difference. He says, however, what has he done? He has given each of us a special gift. Through the generosity of Christ. See, what I want you to pay attention to is that he doesn't say, he has given some of us. Is that what it says? So, how many of us are gifted? You know, I've, I've had people come to me and say, oh, Pastor, I don't have any special gifts. Uh, you know, I know many gifted people in church. I, I have no gifts. What does the Bible say? Let's read it together. <coughs> Context. What is the context? Make allowance for each other's faults. We are one body. We are one, uh, filled with one spirit, serving one Lord Jesus, one future, one Father who is over all and in all, all of that. However, each and every one of us have a different gifting. Each and every one of us have a different gifting. So just because you can't preach like I do, doesn't mean I'm better than you are doesn't mean I am greater than you are. Each of us, we have a different gifting. My gifting is to shepherd each and every one of you. Your gifting, you, each and every one of you, God has given your own gifting. That doesn't mean that now I am better than you. In fact, I know that most of you pray better than me, read Bible better than me, and you're, you're all way more holier and way more purer and way more anointed than I am. And that is where the true test of submission is, right? Because it's easier to submit to a man who is, you know, better than you. But it's harder to submit to a man, it's harder to submit to a husband who is not as good as you are. 
who doesn't know enough like you do because anybody can celebrate a man of god when you see them on their highs when you see them in their best form you know what you see on a sunday morning i'm trust trust me there's a lot of work that goes behind dressing like this you know this is not how the man looks on a on a monday on a wednesday on a on a day when you know you you're burdened on a day when you're confused and find a way to be humble at that point to submit to that man at that point and trust me you will tap into what biblical unity is like you will tap into what biblical humility god ordained humility truly is supposed to be the bible says each and every one of us we've been given a gift so when you are submitting to a man you you're not you're not saying okay this guy is better what you're saying is wait this guy is given a gift he is given a position by the lord to be in my life at this point in this season let me explain to you okay when you say gift you're thinking okay he can prophesy or he can heal no 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 i'll tell you in a, in the next verse you will see what is the gift we are talking about you want to read this come on let's go it says that is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights he led a crowd of captives and he gave gifts to his people all of god's people said an amen notice that it says he ascended which means that he he also descended to our lowly world and that the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself verse 11 ready now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church ready the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and the teachers wait a minute we are not talking about an ability we are talking about a calling and the bible calls it a gift so when god gives you a pastor what is that it's a gift it's a specific gift that god has given to you and the the portion that i want you to pay attention to is you know you remember that word each of you so it doesn't say 10% of the church are pastors and everybody else is followers it says each of us we've been given a gift and what are the category of gifts available here apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers so my question to you is this what is your gifting today what is your gifting every one of us you know some of you may pastor in a church some of you may pastor in an office some of you may pastor in a home some of you may pastor in a locality some of you may be pastor of a whatsapp group but each of us we've been given a gift each of us we've been given a gift the problem happens when we think that the other person's gift is better than mine you know like how that one talent guy compared with the five talent guy and he said the the five talent and, and that's why he didn't do anything with his one talent but all of us we've been given a gift see in the context of an organized church there are few people who are appointed as elders in the church you know we call them pastors okay but that's not the gifting that bible talks about bible says each of us we have a gift so your task 
is not to be jealous that somebody else has a gifting your task is to now go and search your heart out and say what is your gift what is your calling what is it that god has given you are you an apostle are you a pastor are you a prophet are you a teacher are you an evangelist who are you because you are a gift to this church you are a gift to the body of christ wherever you are placed you are a gift and you will be able to function as a gift only when you understand your calling so rather than just you know just pointing out your fingers on somebody else saying oh he is not a good prophet or he is not being a good evangelist oh he is not a good singer just stop pointing fingers at others and you develop your own gifting okay each of us we've been given a gift you want to know what this gift is for no to get more followers on facebook right then to establish my own international ministry to serve each other yeah let's read the next verse verse 12 1 2 3 go their responsibility is to do what is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church the one body of Christ which means your responsibility is not limited to BRC your responsibility is to equip that global church the body of Christ anywhere everywhere each and every one of us we have that responsibility read the next line this will continue until when until we all come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and the complete standard of Christ he's saying we have to continue to equip each other and build each other up and bless the body of Christ till when till we attain that unity and the maturity and the high standard where we reach the standard of Jesus Christ till we reach there till we attain that so today you know whatever gifting you have it is not for yourself it is not to make you look good it is to make sure that we come together to to have that unity of faith the unity of faith that you know true maturity is when you are able to let down to put down whatever you're good at and you're also willing to acknowledge what somebody else is good at and you're able to work with them and you're able to you know pursue that unity of faith that is true maturity in god's word in god's standard and when jesus the bible says go back to mark chapter 2 what did jesus see in them seeing their faith In other words what Jesus saw in them is the unity of their faith. You understand what I'm talk, trying to explain to you this morning. That you know each of us can have our faith. Each of us can have our revelation. Each of us can have our own knowledge about God's son. But what does it take for us to reach a place where there where we all contribute now not just the pastor but every one of us we contribute to building each other up and strengthening each other up. We're till the point where we now become united in faith and then Jesus looks at a church 
and says wow i am impressed by the unity of their faith i i am happy with their faith looking at brc's faith jesus said to bangalore your sins are forgiven come on church can can we envision can we desire can we pray for something like that where jesus looks at our faith and then he looks at our nation and says wow look at their faith look at the unity of their faith look at the knowledge of god's son that they have look at the maturity that they walk in look at the high standards that they have kept now i need to show mercy upon this nation the bible says seeing their faith jesus said to the paralyzed man my child your sins are forgiven you know the bible says that there are some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there and he, and they thought to themselves what is he saying this is blasphemy only god can forgive sins jesus knew immediately what they were thinking so he asked them why do you question this in your hearts is it easier to say to the paralyzed man that your sins are forgiven or to say stand up pick up your mat and walk so i will prove to you that the son of man has authority on the earth even to forgive sins then jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said stand up pick up your mat and go home westrel and the man jumped up grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers they were all amazed and they praised god exclaiming we have never seen anything like this before do you remember we we began at this point that that god is restoring rebuilding things that we have never seen before there in our entire generation that we have not seen before that we have ne- never even we might have heard of it from the apostolic days and from the revivals and all of that but we've never seen it with our eyes before but things that we have never seen before is now going to become possible i didn't i didn't i didn't emphasize on any other portion any other parts of this story because my story stuck with that four people in unison carrying the mat to jesus when jesus saw their faith when jesus saw the unity of their faith when jesus saw that these guys were willing to humble themselves go to any extent to you know make sure this guy is healed when jesus saw their humility and jesus saw their maturity when jesus saw their knowledge of god's son jesus said i need to now speak to this paralyzed man because of your faith Thank you for tuning in for today's sermon. We hope it blessed you. Do visit us at dreamerrevival.com for more information. You're welcome to tune in every Sunday for our live celebration service at 11 a.m. at youtube.com slash pastorpreji. God bless you and have a blessed week.